welcome to episode number 32 of Slaying with Santa Rod. This is the last episode of season number one. We've had uh, 31 amazing interviews since we kicked off the uh, podcast back in May 9th. And uh, there's been some good stuff. That's uh, 31 great interviews. I've already said that. I'll say it again. I knew I wanted to finish strong. So there's nobody stronger than the guy that I'm about to uh, introduce to you. His recording career started in 1971. He's still recording today. He's still touring today. So welcome to Slaying It with Santa Rod, the one and only Randy Stonehill. All right, we're back on the phone with Randy Stonehill. We've had issues tonight, but I think we're back. And we're, we're, you're number 32 of the podcast, Randy, and, and you are the last episode of season one. And being the Christmas season, I figured you're kind of the perfect guy for this fit. Well, it's a gift. It's a booby prize. It all depends on, <laughs> it all depends on how you look at it, buddy. But uh, yeah, well, thank you. So, yeah, I don't know if you heard my, I was making a Beatles joke, I think, when we lost connection. But from back, back in the day, there's some dialogue. They're going, how old are you? And she says, 32. And he goes, you're not. He says, I am. No, you're not. Anyway, so I am officially 32, uh, episode number 32, and and um, blessed uh, to be uh, flapping my lips here with you. Um, and, you know, if we if we lose connection again, maybe I just need to get like a tinfoil hat and stand on one leg in the front yard i, I don't know how i don't know how this works I, you know I, I i try to write some pretty good songs and that after that you lose me and after well you know a guy can only be good at so many things yeah i'll, I'll go with that <laughs> yeah like what he said folks that's right that's right because for me it will you know it really got whittled down the options got whittled down i was either gonna be kind of writing songs or just be like the like the town greeter standing on a corner, just kind of waving, waving at traffic. You can you be know? the guy in Sam's Club dr- drawing little happy faces on receipts as people leave. There you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, well, th- this is kind of a cool year for you. I mean, we're, we're celebrating year number fifty-two of you being in the in the music industry. Well, you're you're close, actually. This is I'm partway through my fifty-third year. Fifty-third. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. But you know, musicians and math, forget about it. Doesn't really doesn't really matter. But it's it's a wonderful reminder of God's um generosity and you know and faithfulness. So, you know, I'm, I've been doing this ever since I was eighteen, going, Whoa, this is amazing. this is an amazing, amazing thing to have Jesus come crashing into your life and just starting to write songs about it and finding myself on the ground floor of an entirely new musical genre and hybrid and you know, watch it explode around the world. It's like, it's, that's, that's a, that's a God thing. And, and all these years later, you're still doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, uh, I think frankly, I, um, I cherish it more. I appreciate it more now perhaps than I did as just a young guy with all the doors getting blown open, you know, just flying everywhere every weekend. And, you know, um, uh, I, I, yeah, just, I think I have more of a conscious overview about God's faithfulness, about the privilege. And also because as time in your life gets shorter, you have more of a vivid, 
view of of the preciousness of and the value of offering your life, offering your energies and your gifts uh, to, you know, to God's hands and, and uh, participating in, in um, something that's, that's going to have eternal um, implications. I mean, that's, that's priceless. It's, it, it's did, just, I'm just for my own curiosity. Did you see the movie Jesus revolution? Yeah, I sure did. Yeah, and, and I'm and I'd like I'd like to kind of know your take on that because you were a major part of that time. Yeah, it's true. I'm, it was interesting uh, going to see it with my wife Leslie a few months ago, and um, uh, and I and um, yeah, I had I came away thinking it was a pretty a pretty accurate overview and assessment of what was happening, and I remember turning to her in the theater. And saying when they were showing the tent scene, and yeah. saying, "Honey, I was in that tent, and frankly, it was actually at least twice that big. Wow. It was just amazing." Because I'll still, if I can tell you the story, I remember um, hanging out with the late great Larry Norman in Hollywood, mm-hmm. and um, I was going around with him, playing wherever we could. Um, and and I guess what I did, by God's grace, it it, it connected with people. Uh, and, uh, so his phone, he started ringing for me as well as, you know, just for, for concerts or ministry opportunities for him. So I mm-hmm. think it was probably 1971 phone rang one afternoon and I picked it up and this guy said, yeah, I'm looking for Randy Stonehill. And I said, well, you, you found him. Yeah, here, here I am. He said, Hey, listen, man. You know, we've been hearing um, just really good things about your music and how God's using it. There's this cool ministry. Now, you're in Hollywood, right? I said, yeah. I said, okay, well, there's this cool ministry. It's about 30 minutes south. And, man, God's doing mighty things with it. And um, we're doing, like, Friday night uh, concert, you know, special music. And Pastor Chuck Smith brings the word. And it's just, man, we'd, we'd love to. It's, it's really cool, and we'd love to have you participate. So mm-hmm. this was like Tuesday. So, so I said, uh, well, that's, thank you. He said, well, what are you doing Friday? I said, well, um, I, I just try to go where God opens doors. He goes, okay, well, look, let me give you the directions. And you, if, just you try to get down here like about six o'clock and we'll do like a sound check and, and just watch what the Holy Spirit will do. I said, okay. Mm-hmm. So Friday, you know, I get in my funky little car. I'm going down the freeway. And, you know, back then, before there was a lot of development in that area, the farther you got from Hollywood, the more kind of rural things started looking. So I'm following the directions. and I'm going, okay, so it's it's thinning out here a bit, by golly. So I get to the street called Fairview. Okay, so I turn on that. and And now it's looking even more rural. And then I turn on this country road and I'm thinking to myself, okay, is this like a joke? Cause I'm like in the boonies. So I go down that road and then I turn on another road and, and I'm looking and there's just this vacant potato field and uh-huh. way in the distance, I see this huge circus tent. I'm thinking this is altogether different. Let me tell you. So anyway, but I, you know, I'm just going, okay, well, uh, let's just see what happens. I get up, I pull up to the back of the tent 
three or four guys come out from the back and they're all excited and they go, Oh man, we're so glad you're here. You know? Okay. Hey, come on here. I'll take your guitar and, and you know, you can go and you can do a sound check, but I'm looking around Rob mm-hmm. and I'm in a vacant, I'm in a fallow potato field. There's nobody there. There's not even potatoes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so anyway, but I go, okay. So I get my guitar out. I'm thinking, wow, this is awfully strange. So I go up, you know, the, I, I, co- I go around this tent flap because you can't see the stage. You know, there's right. the outer tent flap and then this tent flap that, that is actually behind the stage. So, so I, I go around that side. I go up these funky wooden steps. And I look and there's this sound guy out there way in the back. And he goes, okay, man, fire it up, you know. So we do a little sound check. He goes, okay, you're good to go. I'm thinking, all righty. I guess it's just going to be me ministering to potatoes. I, I, <laughs> I don't know. So I come back down and, I'm, and we're there between in the, behind the stage. You know, like I said, you can't see what's going out. You can't see what's going on in front of in front of that flap. So we're between, mm-hmm. we, you know, behind the stage and these guys go, Oh man. Okay. Listen, Hey, pastor Chuck's going to come and we're going to have some prayer and you're, you're going to be up in a few minutes. And I'm thinking, <laughs> all right, man, I come to serve. I'll, I'll minister to the, maybe the angels <laughs> will show up. I don't know. <laughs> so all of a sudden I look, here comes pastor Chuck striding toward me, big smile on his face, the light of the spirit in his eyes. He juts out his hand and he goes, are you Randy Stonehill? And I said, yes, sir. He said, my daughter says you're the best thing since sliced bread. <laughs> and I said, I, 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 well, thank you. I, thank you. Thanks, man. I don't really know how to respond to that. He goes, hey, listen, okay, but let's come on. Let's have a word of prayer and, uh, and get ready to, to go. I said, okay. So we're, we're there with our eyes closed in a circle, holding hands, and, and he's leading us in prayer. And as he's praying, I hear, Okay, there's like a motorcycle engine motor, you know, on one side of the tent. Then I hear like a, a couple car engines on another side of the tent. And as we're praying, mm-hmm. the sound got louder and louder and louder. And then we finished praying. Pastor Chuck looked at me and said, all right, buddy, go up there and give him heaven. I said, okay, okay, man. I, I figure well, it's like a little county fair. There's going to be like 20 people there or something, you know? Yeah. And so this guy gets up on stage, kind of an MC guy, and he says, hey, listen, man, we're so glad you're all here. God's going to, and God's here. He's going to do rich stuff. And before Pastor Chuck brings a word, we've got special music from a special guest. So would you please give a warm welcome to Randy Stonehill? And as I'm coming up the step, those wooden steps, I look mm-hmm. out, and I kid you not, there were like a thousand people. They had just they just come from everywhere, I, I got, oh, and there's like cars completely surrounding this tent. I mean, there's you know there's like hippies and surfers and businessmen fresh out of fresh you know coming fresh from the office. All these people, I just went, wow, man, the Lord is up to something, and I, yeah. and I get to be some part of it. It was it was an amazing time. See that I was just a kid then. So I, you're you're ten years older than I am. So, and I wasn't aware of what was happening growing up in northern Wisconsin. So I wanted to, to hear this and and know you and and several other people that that were part of that generation. It's like my mind is blown because I never got to witness anything like that. Yeah, 
Yeah. Well, yeah, it was a, it was a sweet time. But the, the good news is, as I think you know, that, you know, God is awake and at work and the Holy Spirit is uh, he dwells within believers and he's up to kingdom business. And as long as we mean business with him, we can be yeah. a part of of this great, this priceless adventure, uh, you know, in terms of what he's what he's doing in the world. Um you know, in these in these short, uh, precious seasons before we see him face to face. Yeah, and anymore, it seems like it's going to happen sooner, sooner than later. Yeah, I'm telling you, if you're watching the news, I'm thinking, man, this is this sure looks like Bible prophecy being fulfilled. You know, before our very eyes. Yeah. And I look at things like you know the whole the 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 just the horror and the heartbreak of what's happening in the Middle East. Right. And I, I feel like, you know, sort of shouting out to Israel's adversaries. OK, you guys. OK, guys, you should you should probably read scripture because this is not going to end well for you. You know, yeah. just I mean, God keeps his promise. This is this is, you know, uh, where he he sort of uh, put his put his hand on on the world. And, and these are his chosen people. Um, and. You know, this is uh, this ain't going to be pretty. And so, yeah. So I'm just Leslie and I are just watching and and praying. And you know, I mean, we're praying for the we're praying for the um, the innocent ones. You know, the, right. on, on both sides of the conflict. I mean, they're just you know Palestinians and and Israelis, just people who who are just trying to live their lives. You know, right. But man. Yeah, it's these are wild times, and um, yeah. yeah, and it does it does seem to be like, um, you know, like uh, the there's there's only so much daylight left now. Right. Well, let, let's go to happier things then. Let's talk. Let's talk about music. Sure. Sure. <laughs> let's talk about music. I I want to know how Born Twice came about. Yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, come back through the mist of time with me and Rob now. <laughs> My golly gosh. You know. I, I, I promise I will not do the full discography, but this, but that album has me intrigued. Oh, well, yeah. Well, thank you. And, you know, interesting, by God's grace, it, it, it turned out to be um, a, one of the seminal works of the genre. And, and, and I, I tip my hat to the late, great Larry Norman because, you know, he... Um, he had vision for what the Lord was was doing in in culture, using the you know using the the gift of music, the which is that was you know that's the it's the musical vernacular of the day, so to speak, using that language of our generation to speak God's timeless truth. And I'll tell you, man, I got to tell you, I mean, back then it was like that came out February of seventy one. Uh, and so this is way before they called it. This is when, this is when it was called contemporary Christian. What? What are they? What are they? Do? Can they do that? Is that is that legal? What are they do? What are they doing? Should we call someone? You know. And um, I'll never forget walking down Hollywood uh, Sunset Boulevard one afternoon with Larry, mm-hmm. and. He had this look, this look of inspiration and frustration 
on his face and he turned to me and he said, Randy, Randy, I, I know God is up to something with this music. I'm telling you, man. And he was so he was so brilliant and so funny. He turned to me, he goes, I, I'm telling you, man, it's it's a movement. I mean, it's well, it's you and, and me, which makes us and and, and me and, and we see, see, man, it's it's a movement, you know. And we both kind of started laughing, looking up at heaven, and because we just we felt lonely. It was like, you know, we just, you know, w- there was just hardly anybody on the horizon that we could find that was doing that caught the vision, you know. Um, but um, and then that started to grow um, just very very rapidly. But back then it was just like, well, okay, we heard about this blues guy from New York named Mike Johnson. Okay, we heard about, okay, and Andre Crouch, his dad is a pastor in South Central, and he's kind of helping, he's starting to bring black gospel music to a, to a mixed, you know, broader audience, you know, black and white. Mm-hmm. And then we heard about Randy Matthews, this guy from, I think, Indiana or something. And, and I mean, but it was just, it was like, you sort of go, follow me, man. And you could just hear, just kind of the the wind blowing across the tundra, you know. <laughs> but you know what he did um, about Born Twice? He said, "Man, Randy, if we could if we could get some music down on vinyl that we could then share with the with our generation, with kids that are coming out to these coffee houses where we play, or when we're playing in the park, or." Christian student union, you know, from like San Diego state would bring us in just, you know, just this kind of grassroots thing. He's going, if if we could, if we could create something that these kids could take home that would represent them both spiritually and culturally, that would be so cool. And I said, yeah, that would be so cool. He said, yeah, but we don't have any money. I said, yeah, we don't. (laughs) So, so he scratched his chin and he kind of looked at the, at the musical terrain. He said, who out there is, you know, is a a popular artist that maybe has some resources, but, but someone who like, who'd catch this vision, someone who loves the Lord. And he looked at me and he said, you know what? I'm going to call Pat Boone. I said, really? Pat Boone. And, um, you know, and a lot of probably a lot of the, the audience, this listening audience, doesn't even know who that is. But Pat Boone, right. Pat Boone came up in the ranks with Perry Como, with the crooners, uh, with Elvis Presley, who was decidedly, you know, the more rock and roll edgy part of that time in the mm-hmm. uh, in the early 50s and stuff. But Pat Boone had just a, a massive string of number one hits, became a passionate believer uh, and um and so larry uh called you know rain he arranged a meeting um through pat's management and it was so funny rob because we're going okay so we're going to go to his house in beverly hills and and we're going to try to share our vision and see if he'll loan us a little bit of money so we drove to beverly hills we we um, you know uh, we hit the the button on the electrical gate you know and it goes and it opens up you know 
this is like so you know this is so radically different than than any of our cultural experience you know right. we came in uh, came we knocked on the door and this maid opened the door and she said yes you you're here for mr boone okay you can come and wait in in the sitting room so so we went in there and you know and we were like dressed as best we could which which right. means i had my patched jeans on this conductor's long-tailed coat and some t-shirt i mean we look like rock and roll pirates it's like it's like you better hide the silverware <laughs> these guys you know how did they how did they get past security these guys so anyway and so then we're sitting in the the room and we're waiting for pat and the boon girls all came in and oh. and what was interesting what was extra interesting was they sat on a couch across from us in for some reason in order of age so lori was 12 debbie was 14 uh lindy was like probably 16 and cherry was you know was 18 and so okay. pat comes bounding in from the from the the backyard from the swimming pool and uh, and he had his he had his like his his perfect pat boone tan his perfect pat boone hair you know and um <laughs> and the girls his his daughters were kind of looking at him then they'd look at us they'd kind of they'd kind of giggle nervously they'd look back at their dad as if to say i mean it was so funny it was almost like they're they, if you could read their minds it was almost like they were saying um fa father are okay are these real real hippies and can we keep can we keep them as pets <laughs> they could they could stay in the backyard they could drink from the swimming pool you know <laughs> And uh, oh, it was just, it was so funny, man. It was so surreal. But Pat, bless his heart, he caught the vision. He said, look, you know, you guys, you're, you're, I applaud what you're doing. You're reaching an audience that would, you know, they would never pay attention to me. You know, they'd think I'm just old and corny, you know, yeah. that, you know, just like my audience would take one look at you. And they'd, <laughs> they'd want to call the authorities or they'd go screaming into the night, you know. Yeah. So, but he said, so, so he graciously said, I'll tell you what, I'm going to loan you, I'll loan you $4,000. Now, in 1970, whatever that was. Oh, well, you know what? It was set in 1970 because my record came out February of 71. 71. Yeah. So 1970, that was, that was, I don't know what you'd call it, but it was it was several times more than what four grand would be today. Right. But for what we did though, was for four counted $4,000. We made not one, but two records. We made born twice. And, and then Larry uh, made his kind of underground record called street level. Okay. And the way we did that was uh, Pat Boone's management or Pat Boone had stock in uh in sunwest studios and um so he he arranged an opportunity for us to use the kind of the cheapo hours which means we'd go in from midnight to 8 a.m but for me and larry we're going yeah baby it's rock and roll they only come out at night come on you know so yeah. so we'd get there about you know 10 30 or 11 we'd drag our gear in there and uh, we'd set up and then we'd start rocking from from midnight, you know, uh, to, like I said, to when the sun came up. Then we'd go back to Larry's. We'd we'd crash out, 
at his little place, um, sleep till about four in the afternoon, have breakfast for dinner, start working on new song ideas, and then we'd go back the next night and do the same thing. That's... And... I can't even imagine. Once once again, you left me speechless, Randy. Oh, uh, well. <laughs> I, I could sit and listen to these stories all day. Oh, thank you. And I, 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 could, I could tell right now an hour is not going to be enough, and there will be a part two to all this. <laughs> oh, well, we, let's not, we don't want to scare your audience, but okay, whatever. How, how was that record received by the people once it was released? You know, um, it, it, really, it really seemed to hit people like, like a breath of fresh air. I think musically and spiritually, uh, because I've always just written my, my songwriting directive has always been pretty basic, just writing songs about how trying to demonstrate how the Lord is intimately acquainted with and profoundly relevant to every, every part of our, our humanity and our, you know, our, our life adventure. Um, so, uh, and so that hadn't really been done much. So it wasn't just worship music. Um, and it just seemed like my generation could really relate to it um, as, as they could with, with Larry's thing, street level, his record was very right. cool. And, uh, and so then we looked around for some kind of distribution and we found a little company uh, run by a believer I think his name. I think his name was Bob Cotterell, and um, and he had some limited distribution, so he could get, you know, it wasn't a big machine, but he could get some records into the stores. Mm-hmm. Um, and man, it's been so long now. I can't even. I can barely remember the name of his company. Um, uh, Sunrise Mercantile. Maybe that's what it was. Okay. Anyway, so yeah, so, um, but the cool thing was we could you know, we could manufacture these records as money allowed. So we do, you know, you do a batch of whatever, a thousand units. And then when that was sold, you could do, you know, you could afford another batch. But the cool thing was as per Larry's vision, he was saying, look, man, kids, this is, this is going to be a great tool because kids can come away from our concerts and they can, they can show this record to their friends. They can show it to their parents and they can go look this see this is this represents me this represents me spiritually and 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 musically mm-hmm. and yeah and so it um it took off from there it's and i, I want to jump a, a couple years in advance then to to welcome to paradise yeah sure cuz cuz you you've got several songs that that hit me hard oh but uh king of hearts yeah, where did, that that one is, you know, not to be cliche, but that's that's an iconic song. That that's that's in the top ten of all greatest Christian rock songs ever written. Oh, thank you, thank you. Yeah, it's you know, as I continue to mature in my faith and as well as in my craft, um, the Lord kept song ideas percolating. Um, so I was writing those songs oh, around 73 74 um i'd come back from england where i'd done a a mainstream project that i i really wasn't very happy with 
uh, Larry called me up and he said, you know, I've started another company um, called Solid Rock and I'd like you to be the first artist on the label. Um, what, what do you think? And I said, man, that would be, yeah, I'd be honored. That would be great. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, so, but I remember too, I started showing him these songs and he was such an insightful guy. He looked at me, he said, Randy, write a lot of songs right now. And I didn't really understand. I said, well, I, I, I mean, okay. <laughs> I, I don't have anything else to do. You know, I'm, yeah. I, I, I was hanging out in, uh, in North, in Northridge, uh, sleeping on my, uh, my so-called manager's couch. And, uh, so I'd get up and he'd be gone. So I'd get up and, all day and I'd sit on the couch and, and be just chipping away at these song ideas. But, but what Larry was saying, which I realized later was, and he even said this, he said, look, th- this is, I said, what, what do you mean? He said, well, this is a season in your life that, that you will never return to. So he knew that God was doing something in my heart and doing something with, with my, my music. And he just said, right. man, harness this right now. Just, just write a lot of songs right now. And I said, okay, buddy, I, I, I will. So I kept showing him the songs and that was, that ended up being the material on Welcome to Paradise. But you know, the funny thing about King of Hearts was, I got to tell you, out of my entire catalog, after all these years, I can still point to that song as one of those very rare special times where I felt like the Lord in his graciousness kind of, kind of breathed on it. Because I was actually, I sat down one afternoon, I think it was in 1974, I'd managed to, I'd gotten enough money together that I got a little apartment on Otsego Street in North Hollywood. So mm-hmm. I'm sitting in my apartment and I was, I was thinking about a young lady that I was dating. And I thought, man, I really like to impress her with something, you know, just a sensitive kind of a Joni Mitchell sort of a song. Hey, he's masculine yet sensitive. Oh yeah. Okay. That, <laughs> hey, that'll, that'll, that'll get me in good, you know? So, so anyway, so I'm sitting and I started, I started, I came up with that opening riff and I started writing these lyrics down, but then I was looking at the paper going, no, 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 you, no. Think about, okay, the, the music of her laughter, the, the sunlight in her hair. Yeah, 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 yeah. But as I, as I was writing, it was almost like the pen had a mind of its own and it kept going in another direction. And after about a half an hour, I stopped. I kind of looked up at heaven. I was going, what? what's going on? And I, I, I felt the, the Lord whisper to me, young man, <laughs> young man, if you want to write an, an authentic love song, why don't you put the horse in front of the cart, so to speak, and write a song about the author of love? And I thought, I started laughing. I threw the pen up in the air and it went, yeah yeah this is yeah this is dedicated to the king of hearts and i wrote i wrote those lyrics in probably half an hour that's incredible yeah it was very very special as i look over my shoulder because i really did feel the lord tugging on my heart and taking it in this in the you know in a special direction and and that's a song that you absolutely have to play every time you you 
perform <laughs> pretty pretty much but you know I, yeah. I don't mind i don't mind because it's such a it's it's dear to my heart and it's a uh it's an authentic worship yeah. moment for me yeah. and, it, and it's a call to it's a call to lost hearts you know out in the audience every night and uh, yeah it never it never gets old to me doing that song yeah well we it never gets old hearing it so Th thank you for writing it, and God, thank you for giving Randy the inspiration to write it. <laughs> so, so um, I, I want to jump to another album. Sure. And uh, there, there's a. Uh, I got. I asked uh, several Facebook followers on some different groups to throw some questions at me to to give to you. Oh, cool. So I'm so I'm going to take one that's just totally out there. Uh. Craig wants to know what it was like working with Five Iron Frenzy. Uh, it was brief, uh, because yeah, actually, I was I was um, uh, you know I, I I was I felt honored that that uh, I was invited uh, to be a part of that project. Um, they flew me to wherever that was. I don't know if it was Oakland. Um, where, where, whatever they were, um, wherever the studio was that they were using, and um, uh, but I, uh, I also was acquainted with uh, their their manager, or maybe it's kind of an unofficial manager, sort of a, a mentor, a counsel, or kind of a guy named Mike Sayers, mm -hmm. and um, so I think he helped facilitate this, and I guess they knew my music from you know some of the past history but yeah so i think i mean i got into the studio um and now that i think of it i think there was maybe one member of the band that was there and an engineer and they wow. they showed me the track and um asked me to jump in and do the vocal and i did that they were all smiling and um then i got back on the plane and that was it yeah yeah i think i bumped into them on the road at a festival a few years later and um and then one of the main guys what's his name starts with an an r who 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 might I, I be thinking about yeah i'm not sure oh. all right yeah yeah I, I i was not a five iron frenzy guy okay okay so yeah sorry this is a long answer but yeah i'm just saying that um yeah, one one of the one of the key guys. I thought it was Reed. I don't, okay. I don't know, but who? But whoever asked the question, they know who I'm talking about. They, they, they yeah. So I, anyway, so I was at a festival, and and he, and he was there, and and uh, we you know we got to talk for for a little while, and and uh, he was very gracious, kind of remembering that record and remembering my contribution. Sure. All right. Now we're going to jump to my favorite album of all time by you. Huh. I'm from Northern Wisconsin. We did not get concerts. I was raised in the four square, four square gospel church of Rhinelander, Wisconsin. Yeah. That's so that's up, that's up there in the North. That's way up North. We catch crappies and stuff, you know, uh -huh. sure. as, <laughs> as well, you should, by golly, as well. Exactly. You know, yeah, you don't want them to catch you. you know. <laughs> but you know, we, we, they'd have Southern gospel quartets come in. Mm-hmm. My my mom was a big Gaither fan, mm -hmm. and and I was young, you know. And I'm thinking, yeah, this is okay, but it's really not my thing. 
I was more the rock guy, and I love parodies. Weird, Weird Al was my hero when I wasn't listening to Queen or REO Speedwagon or something. I, I really wasn't into the Christian music scene yet. Yeah, yeah. My, fr- my friend Ron come, comes over to my house, and he brings an album. Actually, I went to his house, and he said, you got to hear this album. I said, what is it? He said, it's a Christian band. I'm, they're a Christian guy. I go, no, I don't want to hear no Christian guys. It's going to be another Gaither. And he said, just sit down and shut up and listen to this. <laughs> he played me Equator. Oh. <clears throat> wow. Oh. I, I had a complete change of attitude. Oh, cool, man. That album is the first Christian album that I ever fully appreciated. Uh-huh. Oh, and thank you. There, there's not a bad song on that. Well, well, thank you. You know, I, I, I know the, the main directive, the, the main directive is, hey, you know, if you bore them, you lose them. So we don't want to do that. Um, but also, I, I have to tip my hat uh, to uh, Terry Scott Taylor, um, who co-wrote, as I recall, I think he co-wrote a few of those songs, but he's just such a, a, a wonderful kind of spirit-driven musical mad scientist you know right working with him is just such a joy um as a matter of fact i'm i'm hopeful of jumping in with him at some point here soon and doing a a christmas record wow but um yeah we were we were really um pushing the envelope with that and we're just having so much fun um that i think that really it comes through in the in the in the color of the arrangements and um you know, yeah, and and in um, and in a lot of the subject subject matter, you know, are these, right. these quirky uh, cultural commentary songs, you know, big ideas in a shrinking world, uh, right. cosmetic fixation, and... which still makes me laugh. <laughs> good, good. I mean, I you, I tell you, man, and we've been in the studio laughing till we had tears in our eyes. We'd have to. We just were having so much fun, and there was such a good creative chemistry. We felt like we were flying. And so we'd have, but we'd have to rein it in because we'd be, we'd be sitting at the, at the, behind the console, you know, coming up with ideas and, and laughing and howling. And we're going, okay, wait, wait, we're burning studio time here. Come on. We got to, you know, we, we got to, we got to uh, knuckle, uh, kind of knuckle down or however you say that, you know? Um, so yeah, that was, that was a real, that was a real joy. And, um, and it's interesting too, because in terms of the, the pundits, um, you know, the people that look at the history of CCM, they cite that out of all the records I've made, uh, they've, they cite that um, as um, probably the uh, creative high watermark um, for, and if, I mean, for me, you know, yeah. and that's subjective. I go, well, yeah, well, you know, I, I think it was, it definitely was a Zenith um you know, a Zenith moment, which is not to say that there, there haven't been others or there won't be others, but yeah, just, just so, so much, um, so much fun. Like I said, working with, uh, working with Terry and, and watching that project come together. And, and where would we be without American fast food? <laughs> where pray tell. 
where you're, you're the only Christian artist I know that ever just belched on a recording. And I'm thinking, this is one of the funniest things I've ever heard. Thank you. Buddy, you know what? We just went for the definitive statement. That's the, that's <laughs> the definitive fast food statement. Because you know. It worked. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, that brings me to another question that, that Ron wanted me to ask you. Mm-hmm. Is Equator and, uh, and I know there's a few others, uh, Between the Glory and the Flame, never saw a cd will that ever be available do you think yeah we're we're making we're making every effort um we're, we're doing a lot of other things right now just in in um going through the archives and um and putting together digital releases uh of uh, of some live you know live recordings that we've that we've unearthed um gosh there was live uh Randy Stonehill band live 78, um, mm-hmm. which just, just, uh, made its way onto the, the band camp, uh, arena. There was uh, Calvary chapel, I think summer of 1980, uh, wow. when, when the big tent had then been, they'd gone down the road and, and, um, and built a big 3,500 seater, uh, auditorium, which was the, you know, kind of the, the mothership, if you will, for, for Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. But, um, yeah, um, I want to do that. Um, so all I can say is it's, it's on my radar. Patience is a virtue. Uh, right. In my case, being an outpatient can also be virtuous, but never <laughs> you mind. Let me, you know what, and my, my sweet wife, Leslie's in the kitchen. Hey, honey. Some some uh, some kind people want to know if uh, between the glory and the flame and equator might ever find a home on physical CDs. We are hopeful of that very thing. She just uh, see we're we're one in the Lord, darling. She said we are hopeful of that very thing. Perfect. I, yeah, I think we we might have to run the 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 gauntlet in terms of legalities because that material yeah. is co-published with with Word. Um, right. however, the other way, a, th- a thing that, you know, you always want to honor the Lord by being honest. Uh, that's just, that's mm-hmm. just important, uh, in, in, on a number of levels. Uh, but the other approach really, it's, I think it's just, it's kind of a matter of, of, I guess, time and resources. Sorry, this is right. a long answer, but the other approach would be for us to indeed go ahead and just do a, do a limited run of those projects on CD and then do what I do quite often via Bandcamp, make them available uh, strictly uh, on a, an offering basis. Yeah. And that, and that way um, uh, it's, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's legal and, um, uh, and, uh, and everyone's happy. So, there. So there you go. So I'm gonna. I'll, the, I'll the, take that. I'll take that ad, that uh, question as a uh, as a confirmation of the direction in which we are heading. And so yeah, if if you keep it, so one and all, keep your eye out uh, on my website or the web store, and uh, and I'm hopeful that those will surface soon. And, and and for those of you who don't know, RandyStonehill.com. Go there, buy his stuff. Yeah, simple. Yes, yes, please, please do. <laughs> you know, there, there's a there's a drop down at the bottom underneath the CDs where you can make a donation. Do that. It keeps Randy going. 
that's or, or as we say it keeps me running oh i'm sorry i said it wait wait that could be a song that nah i'd never sell <laughs> it'll never, never sell, sell. Uh, another question another question that came from gary yes sir gary said he saw you perform about six years ago in a living room concert at keith green's old house yeah yeah and he want he wanted to know if you had any special memories of keith yeah i i have i have a lot um yeah uh keith was uh he was just a rare a rare treasure, uh, both uh, musically and and spiritually. Um, I met him at the Blah Blah Cafe, I think in 1971 or 72. And um, I remember walking into the to the room and watching this guy. He was so intense; it was almost like he was ripping the keys off of the piano. Mm-hmm. I'd met. Uh, I'd been. Um, I'd been. Re- pointed in his direction by a music publisher in Hollywood that saw me at some songwriter showcase. And the guy said, the guy said, listen, you know, you have a, a similar kind of melodic style. There's a, 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 a similar style to this guy that, that I've, I've uh, done some work with named Keith Green. Uh, he plays every Wednesday night at the Blah Blah Cafe. Go and see him and tell him that Peter Burke sent you. I went, okay. So I was new in town and just, you know, wanting to, you know, make connections and, and uh, make friends. And like I said, walked into the, this funky little club that seated about 150 people. I could not believe my eyes and my ears. It was just, he was amazing. As he came off the stage, I met him on the steps in the kind of half darkness. And uh, he was almost dripping sweat on me, you know. And I said, hey, Keith, my name's Randy Stonehill. You know, Peter Burke sent me to see you. He said he thought that that you and I would make a, a good songwriting team. And Keith was so intense and so immediate. He he lived his whole life almost like a man who sensed in his heart of hearts that he had very little time. And and mm-hmm. tragically that was that was the case. I mean, he he went home to be with the Lord at the age of twenty eight, you know. Right. So um because I guess he was, he must have been 22 at the time. I think I was, I guess, right around the same age. And uh, so he, but he looked at me, he didn't miss a beat. He just said, okay, what are you doing tomorrow? I said, um, I, well, um, I guess I'm, I'm coming to your house. He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's the address. So I'll, I'll see you about one in the afternoon. I said, okay, all right. So I, I drove up to his place and um, we just hit it off immediately you know musically we had so much fun uh he dragged me up on the stage whenever i was at the blah blah to see him and and we would we do duets together it was just hysterical um but he also could could hear in my life and in my music he could hear jesus Mm. and i could tell that he was spiritually hungry but he wanted god and he wanted heaven on his own terms as as so many of us do you know, before the Holy Spirit really convicts you of sin, and you go, wow, I'm spiritually a dead man without you, Jesus, and you're trading my sin for your righteousness that was purchased for me at the cross. This is the most amazing bargain in, in, in all of human history. So yes, uh, yes, I am a sinner. 
take my brokenness and and come Holy Spirit and you know dwell within me. So so Keith was there going well so. Well, this Jesus stuff, Randy. I don't know. I mean, see, I, I believe Jesus was a good teacher, and you know, and I try to live by his teachings. And I thought to myself, oh, that must be very frustrating <laughs> because you can't do yeah. that. This is a matter of life transformation by God's Spirit from the inside out. So he and he and I would have these intense conversations, and they would get intense because we were both young and both cocky, you know. And, and I was trying so hard to explain explain it to him, but also he could see me in my in my youth with all of my flaws. He'd go, yeah, yeah, okay. Well, so so if Jesus is like, you know, he's so great and and he changes lives, then why are you such a turkey? And yeah. and I would say, well, thank you, Keith, for your candor. Gee, I <laughs> I really appreciate that, um, and I I really feel a bonding knot, you know. <laughs> And so we'd we'd be bumping heads, you know, and then he'd he'd look at me and go, okay, well, well, okay, so you want to write a song? I go, yeah, 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 let's work on a song. Or he'd go, hey, listen, it's a sunny day. You want to go down to Will Rogers State Beach and we'll go body surfing? I said, yeah, yeah, okay, let's go to the beach. So we kind of, we'd agree to disagree, you know, until one night I I saw him, I guess we were going to do some songwriting and, and, um, he said, listen, I mean, I could hear, you know, in his, just in his demeanor, his attitude. I said, you know, Keith, we're having, again, a typically heated conversation about Jesus. And I said, you know, Keith, you have all these questions. You have all these opinions. Man, I tell you what. And see, I knew him well enough, Rob, to know that he'd take a dare. I said, I, I'll tell you what, man. I go to this cool little Bible study. A lot of musicians go there. If you don't like it, you can leave. But, but man, I dare you. I dare you to go check this out. Because in the back of my mind, I was thinking, maybe he's going to hear the gospel with more depth and clarity than, than what I've been able to share with him. Maybe, maybe he and I are just too close, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I said, so, man, I, I dare you, Mr., uh, Mr. Opinion. I dare you. Go check this out. And he looked at me. He set his jaw and he went, yeah, yeah, well, okay, okay, I, I will. Okay, where is it? When is it? So I thought to myself, bingo. And I went, okay, look, it's at 7 p.m. Here's the address. It's on Thursday nights. I said, listen, I'm, I'm flying out to, to Pennsylvania. I've got a bunch of concerts I'm doing. I'll be gone for about a week. When I get back, you tell me what you thought of the Bible study. And he went, oh, okay, well, okay, I will. So the next time I saw him was at the Bible study that following week. And I found out to my amazement that the Bible study I invited him to at the end of that evening when the pastor said, listen, if you feel like the Lord's calling to your heart and, and you, you, know, you, you sense that the, the spirit is, is calling, just show me by a by a demonstrate, you know, show me by a raise, raise a hand, just raise your hand. Mm-hmm. So I talked to the pastor years later, actually, at uh, Melody Green's 60th birthday. And he said, I will never forget that night, Randy, because Keith and Mel are sitting in the back of this big living room. Mm-hmm. Um, about, you know, 60, 80 people there said Keith's hand shot up like a bottle rocket. And so mm-hmm. I went over and I, you know, I went and I sat down with him. I led him in a sinner's prayer. 
and um and and he just lit up like a christmas tree that was that was it for him so when i saw him at the study man he just was like he was so excited and then i just watched the lord take him and take his music like on on a rocket ship you know mm-hmm. wow wow yeah it was amazing if 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 by chance we get cut off i'm going to call you right back okay um wow yeah I talked to uh, Matthew Ward a few years ago about Love Broke Through. Yeah. And was saying that uh, Keith was pretty much the same thing you just said. Keith was, I don't know what the word I want. Uh, Well, he's like a force of nature. He could also also be like a bull in the china shop. Yeah. And that's kind of what, what, what Matthew said. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, but... I'm sorry. When you bring up "Love Broke Through," that that's a classic Keith Green snapshot of 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 yeah. his his intensity. Because he called me up, um, I guess it was some afternoon in 1976, maybe, mm-hmm. and and he was so excited. I picked up the phone. He didn't even bother to say hello. This guy was just he was just he burned white hot, you know. I picked up the phone and I heard him say, "Randy." Randy, okay, you got to come over right now. All right, I'm working on this music, but but God told me you're the guy that's going to write the lyrics. He's going to do mighty things with it. It's going to go all around the world. And he's like shouting. I'm holding the phone away, like reaching for the aspirin. You know, <laughs> I'm going. <laughs> I'm getting a major headache. So I said, I said, okay, okay, Keith, stop shouting. I'll okay. Look, I, I'll, I'll get in my car. You know, I'll just drop everything I'm doing. He didn't, you know, he didn't even ask. It was just like, yeah, you know, I'll drop everything I'm doing and I'm just going to come to Keith's house. He went, yeah, 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 yeah. Just come over right now. So as I'm going to hang up the phone, Rob, yeah. I hear him still shouting. I put the phone back up to my ear and I said, Keith, okay, see, if I'm talking to you on the phone, I, I can't come to your house. See, because I'm not <laughs> omnipresent like that. And this is before cell phones, right? He, he said, he said, no, 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 listen, man, I want you, I want you to hear the melody right now. I said, Keith, I live a half mile from you. Just let me get in my car and I'll be right. right. He said, no, 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 man. You just got to hear this right now. Just, just smash the phone up real close to your ear. <laughs> I mean, you just got to love him. You know, he's like, he's like a big puppy that's like r- <laughs> running at you in the rain with big muddy paws. And you just go, no, this thing just, you know, hits you in the chest and knocks you down, you know? So I said, okay, okay, Keith. So I put the phone up real close to my ear and he started playing this, this melody. And a a minute later he stopped, he got, you know, he got back, you know, put his mouth to the phone. He said, I mean, praise God. I mean, isn't that, isn't that beautiful? And he wasn't bragging. He just, he just, he knew that he was, that we were up to something. And the funny thing is that a friend of ours named Todd Fishkin had come over to write with Keith had shown him that that chorus melody, which mm-hmm. is the most beautiful thing this guy has ever written. And, right. and it knocked Keith out. So Keith's all excited. And then Todd looked at him and he looked at him. He looked at his watch. He went, oh, oh, you want to know what, Keith? I can't stay. I've got a doctor appointment. I, I got to go. Listen, you you just mess around with, with the melody, okay? I got to go. So he left. And Keith is there listening to this this melody, this chorus melody, you know, da, 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 da. 
he just went, I got to call Randy. I got to call him right stinking now. Uh-huh. So anyway, so that's, that's how the chorus melody was. That's how the hook was born. And so then I, I, you know, I got in the car, I went to his house, I went into the music room. He's there, his eyes closed, his head thrown back, all way too much, you know, uh, curly, wavy hair, like, like flailing around, creating its own weather system, you know? (laughs) And then he could, he could sense as, as you, as a person would, that someone had come into the room, you know? So he stopped playing. He, he opened his eyes. He spun around on the piano bench. He grabbed a yellow legal pad and a pen. And he just looked at me with these big puppy dog eyes. And he said, so go ahead. I just went, well, Keith, listen, uh, I'll round out the uh, conversation for you. Uh, yes, it's good to see you. Yes, I've been fine. No, I don't need a cup of coffee. And Keith was like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like dispense with the, with the social niceties. He was just so excited. And he just knew, yeah. he knew that he knew that he knew. And he, you know, he just said, I'm telling you, man, God told me you're going to write the lyrics. So he just went, so go, go ahead. I said, okay, okay, man, look. He goes, listen, listen, I've been working on the verse melody while you were driving over. I said, well, of course you were because you're Keith Green, you know. Right. And so he said, well, okay, so, so okay, l- listen to this. So he starts going, and he would keep like whipping his head in my direction, making sure I was tracking with him, you know, as he was playing. Mm -hmm. So I looked at him and I said, okay, well, all right. What about, okay. What about this? um, um, Like, like a foolish dreamer trying to build a highway to the sky. And Keith, he threw his hands up in the air and he went, yes, praise God. See, I knew you were the guy. <laughs> oh, it's just, it was riotous. And then, and then he keep, kind of trapped me in the music room there for about three hours. And yeah. I wrote, I wrote most, of the, most of the lyrics. I think he helped out some, but he was playing, you know, he was playing the music and kind of just spurring me on. But I think I wrote most of the lyrics that afternoon and then I think around five o'clock, I said, Keith, I'm, I'm going home now. And, and do you know why? He went, um, no, no, why? I said, because you're not the boss of me. <laughs> and, and I'm going to go, <laughs> I'm going to go have dinner. And he went, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Hey, hey, but if you think of any more lyrics uh, while you're driving home, call me right away. I went, yes, Keith, I, I will. <laughs> I, I love you, man. He goes, yeah, yeah, I, I love you, too. And, th- you know, and then and then we watched and God took that song all around the world. It yeah. it opened doors for us. I mean, to tour as far as Australia. I got to do like the late night, you know, Johnny Carson, Jay Leno, wh- whoever you want to name. I got to do the the main late night TV talk show thing in Australia nationwide because of that song. You know, wow. and the song became and then the Madonna of of Australia, a lady named Marcia Hines. She took it and she recorded it. She had a top 10 pop hit. So it just it just opened doors all across the country for both me and for Keith to go down and, and tour extensively down there. Wow. And that that's that's another song that just is it's in the 
it's in the Mount Rushmore of, of classic Christian music. Well, that's that's a reminder of of uh, God's graciousness and where the where the fire of creativity comes from, you know. And I don't think I've ever heard a bad version of that song. Uh, yeah, well, now, yeah, I, I'll, I will uh, con- concur. I, I haven't either. And I've, and I've heard many, um, many versions, which is a real blessing. It, 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 uh, it continues to, to get recorded and re-recorded every few years by somebody somewhere, you know? So, right. and I think that's, that's just because again, the Lord and his graciousness just, just breathed on that song. He, he allowed two young Christians and two young musicians to write, you know, to capture, to frame in music that, right. that pivotal moment in the human heart where the, when the wind of the spirit comes blowing in and God's love breaks through, man. Breaks through. Huh. I see what you did. There. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> if i lose you it's going to be right now and so let's hope that we don't lose you well nope you stayed on okay well so we're good am i how time flies when you when um you're having fun uh what how long we've we been we've we been going here buddy it, it's been exactly one hour okay and the, the reason i was paranoid is i was doing a i did a live interview with uh, with john DeGraw from petra yeah and uh we, we were together in the same room and at one hour the program shut off yeah and we had to start over again, so I'm, I'm glad that didn't happen this time because I don't want to keep you a whole lot longer. Like I said earlier, we could do this forever because this is fascinating. Oh, thank you. Well, thank you, and I'll be I'll be happy to to jump back on uh, into podcast with you again uh, anytime you want. This this is I, I've well I've got to thank one one person in particular that I had on a couple weeks ago. Uh-huh. I had Steve Camp on. Yes, so I hear, and actually, I got to hear a snippet of that because uh, a friend of mine in Canada had come across the podcast, and and Steve was was saying gracious things about me. <laughs> Steve had nothing but good things to say, and 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 I'm actually, I'm I'm pumped up to to hear his new music because it's been forever for him. Yeah, yeah, me too, me too. We we uh, we texted back and forth, and I uh, sent him. Lost Art of Listening, uh, which is my latest thing, right. uh, and he so he told me that uh, uh, he'd uh, he'd done like a, gosh, it's almost like a double or triple album, twenty seven cuts. Yeah, and, he's got uh, a double coming out and a new and a new Christmas song. By the time this airs, the Christmas song will be out. Oh, sweet, but... sweet. Yeah. Hey, and listen, but speaking of artistic things, and since we haven't been cut off, um, I wanted to let you and your listeners know. Uh, that um, my multimedia partner, who's just a just a brilliant guy, uh, just created um, this campy Beatle esque, really delightful video for a song called Rock Man. And oh. I don't know if you've had, it, it went live. Uh, I think I don't know about a week or ten days ago. So it's uh, is is it out there in Facebook land, darling? Rockman, yeah. So people can find it, um, but man, it just—it kind of parted my hair for me. It's so colorful. It's got so many layers that you discover new things upon uh, with, with every viewing, and and the genesis of the song, as you might know, was that when Phil Keggy and I were recording mm-hmm. Mystery Highway back in two thousand 
2008. You came out in 2009. At the end of one session, um, I just started goofing around with this kind of James Brown-esque kind of rap thing, just because I like to make Phil laugh. And the engineer um, sort of cut it together. Phil was getting a kick out of it, so he built guitar tracks around it. And it ended up finding its home, its musical home, on Mystery Highway. So all these years later, um, there was a fella in Texas I was working with that was doing little promotional video snippets. And he put together this this fun, quirky kind of little 30-second promo using that song. My multimedia guy saw it and just went wild. And he created an entire video. Um, and, and it's great because we got we got Phil uh, into a green screen studio. And uh, and so he ends up it, it really is a tip of my hat to him and to what God does with with music, you know. But right. so Phil Phil is kind of the star of the video, really. But the, the right. video is just it's just kind of psychedelic in the most kind of spiritually delightful way. Yeah. And uh, so I want to let you know about it. Um, and, um, yeah. and let your listeners know, cause it's, oh. it's pretty, it's pretty ding, dang, delightful. I, I have a favorite Phil story that involves you. Yeah. I hosted Phil and had Sherry open up for him, uh-huh. uh, several years ago. I called it a double kegger cause it, well, it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> and also from, you, you have, from Wisconsin, but we won't go there. That's okay. Yeah. That's a whole nother story. That's from my past, Randy. Yes. I understand. But, I understand. But, which, but Sher- Sher- Sherry's getting ready to go on stage and I was, I was in the back <laughs> of making sure Phil had everything he needed and he's just sitting back in his chair and, and he's on the phone. I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm texting. Oh yeah. Who are you texting? Randy I said, Stonehill. He said, yeah. He said, yeah, come here. He had me lean down and he selfied us and, and sent it to you. <laughs> And I've been laughing ever since because oh, yeah. that's that's my Phil was such a joy to work. Yeah, with. he is. Yeah, that's yeah, he's he, he's just a good guy. Yeah, he is. He's he loves the Lord. He's completely unpretentious, very tenderhearted, uh, very and very giving. And um, that's that's great, though. I've... Memories may be beautiful. And, yeah, well, yeah. and, and then about uh, once or twice a year, depending on what's going on. I make it, my family and I take a trip to Fort Wayne and we hang out with Greg Hogue and, and DeGraw from, from Petra. Yeah. But we also meet up with our friend, Honey Tree. Oh, yeah, Nancy. Yeah, she's and we, great. And we, and we talk about the good old days, and, or she talks about the good old days. I soak it in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and you're always brought up. Oh. And, and, you know, it's just, I, I'm honored to have you guys as friends. Um, and I'm very honored that you took the time out of your day to do this with me. Well, thank you. Thanks so much. It's, yes, it's been a, a pleasure and, and a privilege. And, um, it's great to be able just to share history and share some of the stories because it just points to, to Jesus and, and his faithfulness. But there's, there's one question that everybody gets asked who comes on the Santa Rob podcast. Uh-huh. What, and, what pray and tell? You, and you... You've played with everybody under the sun. So this is going to be tough. Anyone dead or alive, if you could have one wish, who is one person that you would like to perform with dead or alive? Wow. Wow, he said thoughtfully. 
Uh, well, here are moments of your life that you'll never get back, Rob. I'm, I'm very sorry about that. Um, <laughs> who would I like to perform with? Hmm. It, it can even be somebody that you've performed with before. Mm-hmm. Well, um, now you know what uh, I, I would I would say. Uh, hmm. Well, yeah, I know. I mean, the, the funny thing is, there's so so many answers going racing through my my brain right now, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but you know, actually, uh, I, I think I think I'd like to uh, to perform with uh, with the amazing um, Sarah Groves. Actually, okay, um, she's just one of the best of her generation. Uh, great writer, um, just definitely a, her her work is anointed, and um, and actually, uh, she. Um, she joined me on a in a duet on a record called Edge of the World. Mm-hmm. Um, did a, did a song about the prodigal, so to speak, called Take Me Back. Um, but yeah, she's you know, yeah, she's she's just a, a rare, a rare treasure. That, like I said, that balance of artistry you know intelligence musicality and the and the holy spirit's right in the middle of it um so yeah i mean there there are there are many choices uh but but she yeah. she'd be in my she'd be in my top three i think also uh you know someone who just blessed me by doing a song that i wrote really with her in mind 35 36 years ago uh, is amy grant uh, mm-hmm. i wrote a song with david edwards called old clothes and I remember in writing that, I said, you know, David, I, I envisioned this as Amy Grant meets Jimmy Webb, the great pop writer from the you know, sure. 60s and 70s. Amy Grant meets Jimmy Webb beneath a brooding autumn sky. That's how I hear this song. So I showed it to Amy and she was great. She liked it, but it, it didn't really fit her musical kind of wheelhouse at the time. Right. Then a year or two ago, when a bunch of artists in my circle were putting together a kind of a musical tribute to you know to my to my work and my history called there's a rainbow somewhere which of course Mm -hmm. is from king of hearts um yeah i reached out uh to amy and i said hey would you consider doing this i'd love to see our generations meet at the intersection of our friendship and of this song and i know you're extremely busy if you if you can't do this just know that i love you anyway it's okay but bless her heart, she did it. And wow. man, it's just, it's one of my favorite songs. If you folks have not heard this, uh, they can hear it. Um, they can hear it online. Hey, darling. See, I'm just, I'm like a caveman. I don't know these things. Where, where could folks hear uh, Old Clothes by Amy Grant? Um, it's on our band camp. Yeah, it's on our band camp yeah. platform. Yeah, or you, or you can always buy the buy the CD on the website called "There's a Rainbow Somewhere." Yeah. Anyway, but I love the thing is, I just she and I have just always um, just just really had a sweet friendship, 
uh, even though yeah. most of the time it's long distance and we'll text back and forth and you know i only see her every you know every now and then but she's just right. she's just such a she has such a heart for god and such a heart for people you just like being in the room right. with her um right. and so and i'd love to even though we did a duet you know years ago that got nominated for a grammy um it would just be really fun to actually be on stage with her because there's nothing sweeter than that organic moment when you're right. when you're on stage in front of an audience you know you're just trying to give your heart ask god to breathe on it you never know what's going to happen so i would i would love to to um have that opportunity someday with her and um and the other thing this is this is kind of surreal but i'll i'll leave you with this i think the other person that i would love to do something with and i got very very close is actually paul mccartney oh because yeah because when the beatles hit february 9th of 1964 and i was 12 years old i mm-hmm. it just changed my life forever i went i've got to do that or i will never right. be happy and and he he was the he was kind of the most charismatic and and the he, he sort of shined the brightest of the band so right. years later when i was in london the second engineer on my project because i had a deal for for a minute, I had I had a deal, a production deal, uh, with a, a subsidiary company of uh, Phonogram. So I was going Phonogram, man. They, 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 uh, you know, they record Rod Stewart. I mean, this is way cool. Anyway, so I had this deal in London, and the second engineer on my project happened to be the second engineer on McCartney's um, a project he was doing with 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 wings with his new band you know okay so the guy called me he said hey listen man you want to get on the train from surrey because i was that's where i stayed come into mm-hmm. london and on on sunday afternoon because paul paul and linda mccartney are going to be in and i just went yeah um listen gary let me check my busy schedule yeah i think i can i think i can fit that in by golly oh my man i'm telling you my heart was pounding like a bunny rabbit I got to the got to the studio and I said, "Okay, so so what do I do?" He goes, "Okay, McCartney's going to be here in about 15 minutes. When he comes in, he's going to look at the room and he's going to ask who's with the session." So, Dave Cook, the engineer, I'm the second engineer. When he looks at you, you just say, "Yeah, I'm assisting. I'm assisting uh, Gary Edwards here, uh, you know, and then if Paul McCartney needs like a cup of tea or he wants some biscuits from the kitchen down the hall, you know where that is because I, uh, I had done a record there, you know, and uh, he said, so you just you just smile and nod and go get him what he wants and you can just kind of hang out. I'm going, this is incredible. So sure enough, man, he showed up. My my face went beet red. I could barely make a sentence. Oh my. And I actually got to, uh, this is the story kind of, it gets larger and larger because I went back to, you know, promote my record and do concerts. And I would always go back to Air London, the, the studio. Um, and so there were all kinds of people in there, um, you know, and, and McCartney would come, would keep coming back to do other projects. So, so the, the thing that happened was, I think it was when he was doing Live and Let Die the the theme song for the uh, the James Bond movie mm-hmm. and George Martin was the head producer so the guy that produced the Beatles 
was in this. So he's sitting there looking like this, this silver haired fox, you know, this elegant English gentleman. He's sitting next to McCartney. I'm sitting on the couch with Linda and we're talking about life and this and that, you know? And um, so there was a, there was a, a tea break at, in a few hours. And, uh, and again, I, I got to keep coming back because my friend Gary was the second engineer. So I kept on, mm-hmm. I kept on going to these sessions. So, but the thing, my point is there was a tea break. Everyone left except Paul and Paul was sitting at the, at the soundboard and he was writing production notes uh, about, you know, what, what he was going to do with the next tune or whatever. And I'm mm-hmm. sitting there, I'm going, it's just me and my all time hero in London, in the wow. recording studio. Wow. And I'm just trying to be cool. I'm sitting on the couch behind him. And I looked over at this chair and leaning up against the chair, my friend was his acoustic guitar. The one, oh the one he played yesterday on, on, on oh. the Ed Sullivan show, you know? And so being, being a 21 year old kind of, you know, cocky kid, I, I said, um, excuse me, I'm turning this up. I said, Hey, listen, Paul, um, I just finished, uh, my first record for phonogram. Do you, would you mind? Could I, could I play you a, uh, play a song for you? And he turned to me and he got this funny smile on his face and he said, give it a go, mate. So I walked over, I picked up his guitar and I got ready to play. And I realized to my horror that the high E was on top and the low E is on the bottom. Why? Because Paul McCartney is left-handed and he plays a left-handed guitar. Now I'm left-handed, right. but I learned the standard right-handed way so I could trade off. My dad said, "Look, my son's a southpaw, but uh, you know, he's talking to the teacher when I was ten years old." He goes, "Yeah, but but he should learn the standard right-handed way so that he can. It'll help him trade off with other musicians." So right. all of a sudden, I'm looking at McCartney. He's looking at me with this glint in his eye, and I said, "Oh, oh no, oh." Oh yeah, on the Ed Sullivan show, the neck of your bass was going the opposite way from John and George's guitars. And he looked at me and he said, Sorry about that. And I just, you know, he knew what was gonna happen, of course, you know. <laughs> and I I just said, Well, Paul, um, that's okay. Uh it's just an honor to, you know, to meet you. And I just put his guitar <laughs> back down and just oh kind of sat there just, just in disbelief. I'm going, I can't believe I'm here with Paul McCartney. There's no one else around and I can't play him one of my songs, but he was, but he was a, he was a nice man. So there you go. And, and, and that's, that's exceptional because me, meeting a hero and finding out that, that they are nice. That's yeah. Yeah, that's that's yeah. always a blessing. He was very gracious because I mean, like I said, I he let me hang out for three different times, three different records. Uh, we even went and had dinner together, um, and it was interesting because it was it was the whole band, but it was a dinner break. I turned right. to my friend, you know, Gary Edwards, and I said, "Should I hey, should I just beg off now?" He goes, "No, no, no, man, you're you're cool. Just just come along. Everyone's going to dinner." I said, "All right." So. We were going around the corner to this big, uh, uh, very popular, you know, restaurant, um, and 
as it turned out, I ended up walking next next to Paul. I think Linda was talking to someone in the band. The engineer was talking to someone else. So so as we're going, there's like six or eight of us going down the sidewalk, and I ended up ta- walking side by side with him. And I'm just thinking, this is. I wish I had a lapel camera. I could just take pictures, you know, and the, the wind in his, is the wind is in his hair. He's got this ankle length camel hair coat on. He's just looking like Paul stinking McCartney, man. He just looked, <laughs> he just looked like a Beatle because, you know, the Beatles had just broken up a year or two earlier. Right. Right. He, and he's kind of whistling and just looking around like he knew that he owned the world at that point. And so, so, but I'm walking along with him and I can, I can barely think of, anything to say i'm just so i'm so delighted you know just to be hanging with the guy and he and he was like i said he was nice to me um you know and and uh and we and i got to tell you this too because this blew my mind this this really gave me a, a clear picture of the of the power of celebrity that uh, that extensive because mm-hmm. it's dinner time it's downtown London. These people are, they're busy. They're cosmopolitan. They're, they're hard to impress. There's 300 people in this restaurant. I mean, because it's, it's dinner time. It's a huge restaurant. We walked in. The maitre d' immediately recognized McCartney. He said, um, here, let me take you to a, a private table near the back. And Paul smiled and thanked him, you know. So I'm, I'm walking next to him. And as I was walking with him, it was like he cut a swath through the crowd. Conversations hushed. People put down their, their silverware. <laughs> it was like the Red Sea parting. It was just incredible. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm walking right next to him, just getting a taste of this going, whoa, so this is how it feels to be this famous. That's right. kind of a, a blessing, and it's kind of terrifying, you know? Yeah. So anyway, but we all, we, we went to the, this back this corner table and i got to sit next to linda and listen to to paul talking with um george martin about you know business things and uh, it was just it was pretty pretty unforgettable you, you know what's funny about that you feel the same way i did when i had dinner with you oh <laughs> uh, well you are you're a gentleman and a brother oh thank you thanks for that As, I, I was so intimidated when I met you the first time. Well, but then, and then, but then you hang out with me for a few minutes. You get over that right quick, don't you? And then I'm going, oh, that's just Randy. Just, just stop it. That's right. That's, that's <laughs> right. Man. We, yeah, we know who we know who the real star is. It's, yeah. yeah, and you know, when you think of it too, you just realize just where the gifts come from, and yeah. you know, I, uh, I um. As a matter of fact, there's a song, a new song that you probably haven't heard uh, that I, I've been playing in concert lately. But but one of the lyrics is, uh, "Life is a story that's not about me." Um, or it, it took so long, but I've come to see life is a story that's not about me. I'm a small bit player in a work of art. Grateful that I even got a speaking part. Yeah. So and that's that's really how that is. But anyway, you're yeah. you're you're a you're a gentleman and. You're a gentleman and you're a master podcaster. You see how I rhyme that? Yeah, oh, you, you see, this is why you're the big songwriter guy. <laughs> this is what pays the big bucks, kids. Yeah, that's right. So- <laughs> Tell you what, that and the buck three eight, you'll get me a cup of joe. 
Randy, I could keep going on and on forever because your stories are amazing. And I didn't even scratch the surface of what I wanted to talk about. But we're going to have to continue another time, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And just know, know that I'm game for that. I appreciate uh, your time and your interest. And um, yes, thank you for uh, letting me be a part of, of what you're doing here, buddy. You know, it, it's, it started off as... You know, pe- people asked me a long time ago, why don't you do a podcast? And I finally got talked into it and uh, never really was sure what direction to go. You know, the, yeah, I, I had the original guitar player for REO Speedwagon on, you know, Steve Scorfina. I had I've had professional wrestlers on. I've had some professional cartoonists on. But the the, the draw seems to be the classic Christian rockers. Huh. Well, I think, again, I, I thank the Lord for that. And I think it's because uh, God in his grace was doing something special and something very uh, alive um, by his spirit during that time. And, uh, and, and guys like me got to, got, to be, um, got to embrace the major blessing of, of being some part of it, you know, some, some See, we, part we... of that voice. We, we could talk about those days forever and I, I'm just going to just soak it in like a sponge. <laughs> well, you know, you know, like that old pop song says, call me. Hey, don't be afraid. You can call me. <laughs> you know, maybe it's well, late, but just call phone more. Call me and I'll be around. <laughs> hey, please make me stop this. Just, just quit it. Will you please? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't. See, that's my problem, Rob, is I can't find the off switch. There's no awesome. See, one of the things that I like to talk to Nancy Honeytree about is, well, her and Petra were here in Indiana. You love song and the, and everybody else, while the Jesus music and movement was going on in California, Indiana had its own thing going on. Yes. Yeah. So the, the comparisons and the things that happened just blow my mind. And I love to sit and listen to stories about about those days and, and, and Nancy playing at the Adams Apple in, in, uh, in Fort Wayne, yeah. you, you, you playing there in the tent and to potatoes. So. And then the potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> but, but like I said, I've kept you a super long time here. I didn't realize it was going to go this long. So I'll, I'll let you go. Thank you a thousand times for doing this. Uh, you're very, you're very welcome. And I'm happy to do it. Um, uh, yet again, when you deem it appropriate. So, arrivederci to you and, and, and your listeners. We love you. God loves you, and thank you. And give give Leslie a big hug. I will, sir. I will. And God bless you. And I'll talk to you soon. Okay, Rob. Thanks, man. All right. Thanks, Randy. Bye bye. Bye bye. That's good. Really well. Phone moi. Yeah, whatever that's for. I don't know. But still. Call me and I'll be a Wow. Thank you, Randy Stonehill, for an amazing, amazing uh, uh, conversation. We could have kept going for hours. And I, I, I hate to cut it off, but I, but I had to. 
and uh, we'll, we'll do it again. I can guarantee that we'll do it again. So thank you, Randy. Thank you, Leslie, for uh, letting me talk to your husband for that long. And if you enjoyed that, please go to my podcast uh, uh, Facebook page, Slaying It With Santa Rob, and uh, hit that like button. Leave me a comment. Let me know that you listened. Let me know that you enjoyed it. Send me an email at santarobpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, just let, let me know what you thought. Uh, I will be talking to Randy again, so shoot me some more questions and we'll try to get them on. That was that was amazing. Uh, thank you to my awesome sponsors, Brett Christner's Mustache Wax at uh, bscenterprises.com, the home of Santa Rob Mustache Wax. Uh, check out his products, use discount code Santa Rob and save 15% on your order. Also, uh, hotspotcollectiblesandtoys.com, check out their awesome inventory. Uh, if you love collecting things, uh, ch- check them out. Use the discount, the discount code SantaRob.com or SantaRob again and uh, save 15% on that. I'm going to take a, a break here for a few weeks, uh, get through Christmas and New Year's. We're, we're going to be back with some brand new uh, podcasts, some brand new interviews, and get ready for season two of Slain It with Santa Rob. Thanks for listening.